As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode, we're talking about the past few games the Mavericks have played, about Luka's triple doubling, and then we're going to have a Carlisle moment of the week. Makes it a two-point game. Here's the mismatch right here. Now it's Luca. Deep three on the floor. Luca Magic. Take that with Hey, welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks. We've got Dave Dufour. He talks about the Mavericks. We have a uh, a, a good segmented episode of um, several topics to get to, Dave. A few games that have been played, uh, and uh, in a in a piece I wrote that, that kind of broke down some of the storylines. So, how are you? And then, how are the Mavericks? In your opinion, over the past uh, past week or so, you know, I'm good. Uh, okay, feels like feels like we're still doing moral victories, um, which you know is just kind of the season we're having, right? Like uh, for everyone, not just the Mavericks. Um, Guys in and out of the lineup, obviously still no Josh Richardson, no Dorian Finney-Smith, no Maxi Kleba. Um, it is – I don't know. It's odd. I, I really still don't know what to think about this team. I think that when they get to be full health, this team is going to be scary, but it's hard to tell because they're not really shooting the ball well at all. So who knows what it's going to look like when all the pieces come together. Yeah, in some ways it still feels like I – am writing off the same preseason predictions that I had mm-hmm. and I have no real evidence one way or the, or another, whether they're right or not. It's, it's a weird time to be like 20 games in is, is when you start taking your predictions and your hypotheses for the, the season to be. And you're like, I was right about this. I was wrong about this. And, and I know we've talked about this, but it's just, it's, I'm still of the mind as I was on December, let's say 10th that this team will push for a top four seed or or they will be home court advantage good once they're all together even if maybe the rocky start you know just puts them so far behind but yeah so far they're not they're not like they're right in the mix of the playoffs and i think that is the one good positive thing is that even though they've had this weird start they've still won eight out of 17 games which is good enough in my opinion and they're still in the mix to be a better team in the conference to to push up into the top three top four maybe maybe not top three utah is is 
pretty pretty solidly third at this point but top four top five top six very achievable and and i guess i'm just going to stick with what i thought this team would be before the year started because that's essentially where we still are i look i i think the beginning of the season has kind of bared out but for the wrong reasons to what i ex- kind of thought we were going to get you know my thinking was that the mavericks needed to tread water they need to be you know, around 500 while Porzingis was out. They mostly have done that. Um, obviously, these other guys being out, we'll just lump that in to the Porzingis being out. Um, right, I agree. And I figured, I figured they were going to have to tread water through January, and and it's worked out for other reasons. Uh, I think they have to be pretty excited about how good Kristaps looks physically. If maybe not shooting the basketball, he at least is moving really well. I thought defensively – Against the Nuggets, he he did pretty pretty well. Um, even when he was caught in post ups by by Jokic, who of course is one of the best post up scorers in the league. Uh, so I think that there's some good stuff to take away. But for the most part, I'm I'm with you. I, I feel like it could be Jan- uh, December first right now, as far as what I actually know about this team. Uh, and I think that the next month month and a half are going to tell us even more. I, I'm with you. I think they're a playoff team. It may be a bit uh, getting a bit late to try to sneak into that top four. But uh, I definitely think that they're, they're a shoe in to make the playoffs. They're going to be great once they get healthy. Yeah, in the, in the storyline piece, I, I mentioned something that, that you just did a, a couple minutes ago, is that they're, they're not shooting the three well. I, I think if there is one observation we can make, and even then, it's still shrouded in, in this absence. I think Richardson was the most up-and-down you know, potential potentially could have been good or 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 not as good, or, or you just didn't really know what he would be as a shooter. And that question is obviously still unanswered. He he started slowly, but he's only played again seven seven games, I believe, uh, maybe six. That said, I do think it's true that the Mavericks aren't going to be a good three point shooting team this year. They're going to be below average. They were tenth in the league last season in percentage and uh, second in in number of attempts. This season, they're down to 33.1% on threes, which is second to last in the league, almost dead last. That's not good. It's obviously fueled by the fact that even though Finney Smith and, and Maxi Kleba are not great three-point shooters, they're good. They're good at hitting open looks. And when you downgrade from those players to Josh Green, Wessa Wundu, even James Johnson to a degree... You're just going to hit less shots. That's how numbers and math and percentages work. And, and and so that's definitely part of this. But I do worry that the team just generally it just doesn't have the shooting punch. Um, we talked about how it feels like they're missing one player, one piece, one something on this roster. I, I can't remember if we, we if we said it then, but but if I had to identify one thing they're missing, it's definitely just a you know a pure shooting specialist because I, there's no one on this team I'm confident is going to shoot forty percent this year, not one single player. Maybe they should think about you know calling up Kyle Korver. That's a name that was uh, mentioned to me today. I was super shocked actually. He was a free agent. Yeah, just get a guy who you know can can get you a bucket, can get open, can knock down a shot. Um, those guys obviously don't grow on trees, which is why I'm saying, you know, sign the guy who's 39 years old and, you know, <laughs> maybe not even going to play this year. Uh, it's tough, you know, like and, and I think that they they did very well adding athleticism on the wings. And we've seen that on the defensive end in particular. But I don't know that, you know, Josh Green or Tyler Bay or any of the guys that they've added on the wing are ready to actually contribute 
you know, at a high level. It's great to see Josh Green out there running around doing stuff, but I wouldn't say anything that he's doing is necessarily productive. And so, you know, once they get healthy and we get a chance to see, you know, like give them five or six, seven games, let's see if that shooting actually improves because they've got better players on the court. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, not a knockdown lights out shooter, neither is Josh Richardson, but they're better basketball players than the guys that are playing right now. And just by virtue of those guys being on the court, all of a sudden you've got more space because Dorian Finney-Smith is a potential threat offensively, more so than Josh Green is at this point. And it's not that he's Kyle Korver from, from deep, but he is a willing shooter and can attack a closeout. So all of that stuff should make this offense better and more along the lines of what we expected. But again, we need to see it and and we just haven't yet. Yeah, I think I agree with every what, what you said on Corver. And, and the only thing I'd, I'd add is that I don't want him as a rotation player. I, I don't think that they need that type of player. Oh, definitely not. As, as, a, as an every night type of player. It, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last year about how the bench is kind of samey with, with similar players and having a shooting specialist just gives you one more look one more option one more wrinkle you can add in any game that Carlisle has that has just an option to use doesn't mean he's going to use it or should use it every game but there are games where it would be nice to have one more player that you know a defender is going to have to stick very closely to that can move around a defense with with off ball movement and and you know just the way that you know Corver in particular is one of the best relocation three point shooters in NBA history he's one of the best three point shooters in NBA history period but you know specifically the way he does it with movement has always been the most impressive part of his game so that's that's what I'd add there. The the other thing I'd I'd say is that just because they don't shoot a ridiculously high percentage on threes, even if they're only fifteenth in the league or seventeenth in the league, it doesn't necessarily mean their spacing is going to be the fifteenth or seventeenth best spacing in the league. Spacing is more complicated. There's a lot more to it. And frankly, Kristaps Porzingis, as we've said many times, is just a spacing cheat code you play him at the five so inherently you know you don't have shooters that of that level playing that position and then he just he just looks like a shooter he shoots from deep he shoots from 30 31 32 feet he looks scary like defenses are scared of him so like it feels like he should be a 40 41 42 percent shooter at some point of his career or at least consistently 39 on difficult looks he's never really been that he's a career 35 guy Um, last season he was 35 percent I think that it, you know he hasn't proven that that he's ever going to be a forty percent shooter, except for the fact that he looks like he should be. But because he looks like he should be, I, I do think that he has more of an effect on defenses when he's on the court. And because of that, there will be more spacing, and and that will help Dallas. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has some of the same uh, same dynamic going on, even though it looks like he's taking a slight step back in terms of his consistency in shooting. So this will still be a well-spaced team that will get a lot of points in the paint because defenses have to stretch out and give and, and cover more space, guard more space, and thus give them more room to to get into the lane and, and score buckets that way. So I think that that isn't a huge concern. I expect that the offense will be better at, at full health, uh, certainly top half of the league, if not top 10. But but yeah, no, I think. Well, and and Luca Luca shooting below 30 percent on off the dribble pull ups is certainly not helping. And I don't think that that's a trend that's likely to to persist. You know, I, I still think he'll get back up to the 33, 33 and a half on those pull-ups like he, like he has been. Um, 
you know, but the degree of difficulty is is high, and it's higher when you don't have guys who can stretch the floor or who can play make. And so, as you just said, like gravity is is really hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And we'll know it the second that that we see Luca with a little bit of breathing room or him being able to give the ball up to someone who's able to make another play. Not that Jalen Brunson hasn't actually been pretty good, because I think he has. That's a guy that I'd like to see increase that three-point volume so he becomes a legitimate shooting threat. You know, he could shoot 100% from three, but if he's only taken one or two a game, he's never going to get guarded. That doesn't create any space. You've got to actually take shots. Like, spacing is more about three-point volume than it actually is about three-point makes. You have to shoot an abysmally low percentage to not be guarded on high volume. You basically have to be Russell Westbrook. And even they still guard Russell Westbrook at the three-point line. So I'm wrong about that. But just having guys who are willing to pull that trigger around Luka is going to open everything up for them and hopefully for him and allow him to get some of these pull-ups uncontested. Because I think this shot has improved quite a bit. He looks a lot better now than he did a month ago uh, when the season started. So um, you know, we'll see how it comes around. Having Porzingis back is going to be huge. Yeah, it's clearly the ceiling of the offense kind of hinges on Josh Richardson. We we know they're going to be a lot better when healthy, but Richardson, I think, is is the key. And so I am eager to see him back this week because I'm glad. You know, I'm excited to actually start developing uh, anal- you know analysis and opinions of the of this team again, and and actually have an idea of of what what they are. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. You want to talk about triple doubles for a minute? Uh, I'm sure. I mean, as far as uh, anyone wants to talk about, you know, round numbers. Is is Luka going to average one this season? Uh, possibly. I mean, he's got the usage for it. He's a good, really great rebounder uh, and has a lot of rebounding responsibilities, which is, you know, very important here as far as going for the triple-double. Um, he's collectively you know, a great. He's collectively .3 off of it right now. 9.8 rebounds, 9.9 assists. 
so Steph Curry's a great rebounder, but his rebounding isn't uh, as as much a part of the game plan as I think Lucas is. They like to get the ball in his in his hands as early as possible. Part of that is making sure that he's crashing on the defensive glass so that he can lead breaks and look up court. So I, I think that the rebounds are going to be easy. The assists should be easier once he actually has guys out there who can play and they start to get healthy. So I, I don't see any reason why he won't average a triple-double, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we, we watched Russell Westbrook do it and almost make it look easy. And I think Luca is kind of showing how difficult it can be when you when you're not able to bend defense in the in the physical way that Russell Westbrook was just by being this full head of steam and and Luca is having to do it a little bit more with craft and and obviously being defended just completely differently than Russ did uh, during those times. I would like to see Luca try to get more free throw rebounds though. I, I think that's something he can improve on. You know, get in the get in there for the mix for the some of those defensive rebounds and really pad those stats. He's got to learn from some vets, you know. That's the one thing I think the Mavericks are missing. They need a vet to take him under his wing and say, "Listen, man, you could you could be at 11, 12 a game if you were snagging these easy ones." That's the most interesting thing about triple doubles to me. I don't know what else to say about the Luka specifically in terms of that. You know, I, I think that he might fall. If if I had to predict, I would say he falls like agonizingly short. But he's going to do it within the next five years. He might do it multiple times within the next five years. It's going to happen. He is that type of player. What's what's interesting about mm-hmm. triple doubles is just like you said, they're kind of meaningless in in a way, in the sense that Doncic, you know, he missed a he missed a triple double against San Antonio last Friday by one assist. And if he had had one more assist in that game. And, and rebounds is an even better example of this. Let's say he had one more assist in that game. His value to the team with his performance, which was 36 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, one more assist would have been, you know, just a little bit more value. It would have been better, but it, we're talking increments. If he had got one more assist and ended up with a triple-double, if you think about it in the big picture, in the sense that we talk about triple-doubles all the time, that he would have, you know, it would have been written in headlines you know, maybe he gets bumped up one spot closer on, on the news. But more significant than that is that as Luca continues setting triple-double records, he gets talked about every time it happens. So that performance from a narrative perspective would have just been so much more important. And so, yeah, I mean, this all stems from our the fact that we have, you know, five fingers on each hand and, and thus power of mm-hmm. 10, you know, structure to our uh, numbers. And so we like looking at numbers that, you know, have double digits that that once they go from nine to ten, it's it's more fun because you get to write another numeral. So it's silly in that way, but obviously the fact that he has these numbers is impressive. It, it's just it's silly that a nine to a ten has such a big difference. For example, when you know, obviously a fifty fifteen and nine game is more impressive than Luca going. 12, 10, and 10. In fact, a 12, 10, and 10 game for Luca would probably be a bad game for him, whereas a game where he misses it by one would be, you know, maybe much, much, much better. So I think that's that's the interesting yeah. thing. And it's also interesting just that only number, go ahead. Only number I care about that he's got six triple doubles. They're three and three in those games. So, you know, it's not like the triple double necessarily leads to winning, it doesn't necessarily lead to losing. It just doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, to be honest with you. I think that just his style of play, he's going to be in a position to average a triple-double for the rest of his career. He's huge. He's a great rebounder. We know that he's a passer and we know that he's a scorer. So, you know, it's kind of like 
you know, Russell Westbrook. And it's a lot like James Harden, uh, maybe not with the rebounding, but uh, Nikola Jokic. A lot of this is opportunity and then being able to take advantage of the opportunity. And you know his skill set lends himself to to be in a position to, to be able to do this. Um, it, it's so much of this is going to rest on his teammates knocking down shots when he delivers the ball. And so, you know, I, I just don't really – I don't care about it because I don't know that it necessarily ties itself to winning. Uh, is it a cool accomplishment? I guess. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. Not, I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, I don't want to sit and, like, rain on the parade. He's obviously, uh, by the numbers, having a really impressive season, everything except for three-point shooting. Um, I, I think that they're just – for them, bigger fish to fry. I think they could be better off if they're winning games because they've got better ball movement and maybe Luca has fewer assists than just, you know, let's say Luca gets up to 12 assists a game. I think if Luca's at eight, but the rest of the team is picking up those other four, you know, four extra assists from everyone else, that to me is an indicator of better offense for them. Because again, at the end of the day, it, it what matters for this team is what they're going to do come playoff time, what they're doing in crunch time. They still are having some of the similar issues. Of course, we haven't seen them at full health. When we do, I would like to see the ball come out of Lucas' hands a lot more often. He already works well off the ball. I want to see him get more post-up opportunities from a pass rather than having to dribble in the mid post and work it in there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they can do. To me, the triple-double is is almost a bad thing for Luka, or mainly for the Mavs, right? Like, I think that if, if you're putting that much playmaking on one guy, it's not necessarily great for your team, you know, unless you got LeBron James. I wouldn't say it's bad, but I, I, I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. One quick other thing, one brief other thing on, on triple-doubles is just that they're up league-wide and way up sure. over the past five years. That That is another factor and it's, you know, Luca is someone built for triple doubles who would have a lot of them no matter what era he played in. But I think some of it is just the circumstances of the league. I kind of identified three reasons for that in the piece I wrote. I'm curious if you, like, if you had to list three reasons why, I'm curious if, if you know, if that's just something that you can, like, like what, what would you say? Because I'll tell you what I said, hmm. but, but I'm, I'm curious yeah, if you can tell, just... Tell me, what, tell me what you said. Well, okay, so, so Pace... The pace is up every yes. every every uh, for the past eight years. It's risen this year. It's down by point one, based off last mm-hmm. season. But mm-hmm. but yeah, the pace is rising. So there's more possessions to get rebounds and mm-hmm. assists and points. The skill level, just in general, is is up. You know, players like Luca. There's there's more players like Luca's. There's there's Ben Simmons and there's Jokic and there's LeBron and Jimmy Butler and just you know Lamelo is I think six seven. A lot more players mm-hmm. over six five who have the passing skills specifically required, the playmaking skills, and the trust. Because skill has risen, I think trust in taller players and in more creative mm-hmm. approaches to basketball have have definitely done that as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think I think the the rise in three pointers has led to longer rebounds and more misses. I think I guess as well. So more rebound opportunities. Well, not necessarily more misses. The the. The increase in pace is is maybe increased in shots, and so there's more misses. To me, it's the placement of those misses, right? So more you're getting rebounds, yeah. typically longer rebounds, going to guys who are in a position to to be able to play, make, and to score. And so it's not the old days where you know rebounds were typically dominated by bigs. Now you've got you know very good wings who are, are rebounds again. Luka Doncic is about ten a game, um, and so that to me is one of the bigger differences. That and and you know the the 
height and skill thing, I think is a great point that you're making. You just got bigger players who are better at doing stuff. You know, Luka Doncic at 6'8 would have been a post-up player in 1988. Right. And now he's a he's a point guard, right? So you've just got these bigger guys who are able to do stuff. You know, Nikola Jokic is a seven-foot point guard. It just uh, kind of lends itself for him to, to get that kind of stuff. And this is where I think Russell Westbrook probably doesn't get his due for how, how much rebounding he did, right? Whatever dubious methods people think that he came up with to get these rebounds, you know, obviously the freebies on the free throw being one thing, he still was an excellent rebounder, great, and not a positional rebounder. He's an athletic rebounder. He goes and gets the ball. It's not a Brooke Lopez situation where he's, you know, let me let me watch where the ball is going and, and box out and maybe I can get the rebound. Uh, he actually went and got him. And so, you know, to do it at his size, I think, is is pretty impressive. Uh, whereas for Luca, it's a little bit more natural and it's part of the game plan that that he's going to be crashing the boards, similar to the Russell Westbrook situation, so that he can get out, start breaks and things like that. But the longer rebounds, for sure, is playing a part in, in the rise of triple doubles, just because guys who are getting assists are getting more rebounds now. Once Westbrook retires, he should spend the rest of his life refunding Steven Adams for all the rebounds he took from him. I think Steven Adams has made out okay on that deal. <laughs> All right. Maybe. Maybe fair enough. Let's do a new fun segment involving Rick Carlisle, who always has something he's going to say in a week that I think is at least interesting, perhaps funny. Perhaps he rants righteously or otherwise about something that's going on or just shares some story from him being a bad NBA player. Um, he wasn't bad, but he does enjoy self-deprecating humor in, in terms of that I, I think in in this case we just have a, a clip of him talking about just the the rookie scenario the rookie situation the rookie scenario and how difficult that's been um you know you can imagine rookies literally weren't even in the city of the team that drafted them until about two months ago maybe slightly more than that at this point so we'll play that clip yeah look the whole thing for these guys has been a an amazing fast track Hell, they, they got drafted less than two months ago, I think. And, you know, now this guy's starting in an NBA game. You know, started in an NBA game last night. You know, uh, you know, Tyrell Terry's been tossed into some games, you know, probably, you know, unexpectedly in his mind. But, uh, you know, we believe in these guys. And, you know, the only way you, you, you can find out what they're capable of is to, is to give them a shot to play. So, um, look, this has been a, you know, a – an incomparable, you know, set of circumstances for rookies this year, you know, having to be tossed into this thing. Really, I mean, you're in training camp almost, you know, less than two weeks from when you were drafted. It's nuts. But these kids have all adjusted well. I mean, I'm, I'm watching all, all the rookies around the league, um, you know, top to bottom. Uh, you know, they, they've handled it, and, and they've handled it in a, in, a very, in a very big way. Welcome to the podcast, Rick Carlisle. <laughs> He called me one time, and I think it was in the bubble, and uh, I just I, I mentioned the podcast. And he's like, "Hell yeah, I'll come on your podcast," and still hasn't. Well, so. let's get Rick on the podcast. <laughs> let's let's make that happen. Uh, I, you know, he's a funny guy. So you know, this is something we've talked a lot about on Nerder. She wrote, um, "The rookies have been really good," and this was a, a draft class that you know was kind of looked down on. And, and on high end talent, maybe the high end talent doesn't isn't going to be there. There's a lot of good role players in this draft. So I think that that's my biggest takeaway is that it's a weird season, 
but I don't know that it's necessarily negatively affected these guys. And there are a lot of there are a lot of good arguments to be made that these rookies, with the extended amount of time, I mean, remember, you know, the guys who were one and done, they were basically done at the beginning of March. They trained this whole time, and they were actually ahead of the curve. Physically, I thought early on the first month of the season, rookies have just looked like they're in better condition than usual. They look stronger than usual. You know, like the more time in the weight room, a lot of these guys look like you would expect them to look at the end of their rookie year, beginning of the second year from a physical standpoint. So I I think that there there's been some advantages to this as well. Um, But I, I also think you've got the benefit of never having done it before. They are rookies. This is all new to them. They don't know really how weird this season is and how different it's going to be next year. So they're a little bit insulated just by being new. Um, But it is tough. Like it's a whole new lifestyle for them and it's under unique and challenging circumstances. And, you know, you can barely really commiserate or commune with your teammates. So you're not getting that aspect of being a rookie. Uh, I do think that that these players, though, are probably going to wind up being better than they would have been under normal circumstances. They, it seems like most of these guys have taken advantage of the difficult situation. Yeah, I talked to Josh Green and I, I asked him about exactly that. How hopefully is it is it easier that he actually has rookies to kind of go through this process with, but also how much is he even able to hang out with them and, and all that and you know he he actually is a already a well-trained media savvy presence he gave a nice well the vets have also been good at helping us adjust and i'm like uh, you could have you could have just answered my question but i don't i don't blame him for for going for the uh, attempted politically correct one in in terms of making sure everybody is is praised i i think it's it's a bummer for the mavericks rookies that all of them were drafted with an idea that they will take time to develop and then they've been forced onto the court given circumstances that wasn't supposed to be the case. And I think that a lot more, you know, more negative impressions of those players have grown just because they've been forced into playing time um, based off those circumstances, as, as I've said, at way earlier than than was ever going to be the plan. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a lot from any of them on the court yet, but I, I just I'm not I'm not rushing. I, I think in general, you're right about the rookie class that you know the the perspective would be different with a you know more immediately ready player but i'm i'm willing you know i'm continuing to give benefit of the doubt to the the mavericks and uh you know just the 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 potential what what these players project that they could be which which is that that projection is something that is just going to take time for for i think all of them is is that it's just it's not something's going that that's going to happen immediately so so yeah, I guess that's that's kind of a, a a few different thoughts on on rookies in general. But I definitely feel bad for them. I, I you know I I said I was talking to Josh Green, uh, had a one on one with him the other day, and, and one thing I would have asked him if he wasn't a rookie is something that I keep hearing is that NBA players just aren't having fun this season. That it's always a you know it's a high oh, stress yeah. job, but it's a fun job. It's fun to be in the NBA. Obviously, I mean I I think I think you can we can all imagine that. This season is not fun. It's it's not. Nobody's having it's not fun. Torture. Everyone it's not, I've talked to. Not, it's not Ooh, awful. I mean, it's not torture. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it, but it's like it's a job. It is a it is a dull, boring, monotonous, lonely job with a lot of mental stressors that are only amplified by the circumstances of, of not really being able to 
you know, resonate or, or sympathize or empathize with, with teammates, which usually you're all in it together in this really weird circumstance together. And this year they're not, that's it from us. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Everybody's dealing with it. Everybody's dealing with it. We all know. It's a, it's a mess. Well, we'll be back Mm -hmm. next week and hopefully we are praying that we will have new players to talk about new players on the court. Hey, Um, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba are all questionable. Are they actually? Is Kleba questionable? They are. Uh, they are questionable. That is what I just saw uh, from Brad Townsend. That's great news. That is great to hear, and uh, I'm excited for them. I hope everybody is is you know back to human physical health, and then after that, they can get back to to kind of where they where they left off. Or in the case of a couple of them who were eh, to start the year, uh, better than that. We are as good as we've ever been as a podcast, and so we will just continue our great form next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you then. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap.